0: And I think most companies have that mindset of sort of taking any management in. And he won't mind me saying, but I've done quite a bit of work with Darren Hunter over the years. And just having that mind shift around understanding the value of a property as opposed to just taking on any property is really, really key. And so, earlier on, having that training with Darren and then sort of slowly starting to implement things in my previous role at another agency. Really helped me understand it's not all about the number of properties that come through the door as well. It's actually about what that value of that property brings to you in your business, but also to your staff. And that's why I'm a big believer and why we sort of have that, I guess, that mindset around managing really quality properties as opposed to just quantity. like We just don't, I've turned so much business away over the years because it just, one, doesn't stack up and two, we don't need it. Like I'd rather bring on a really good quality property with a quality owner than bring on three properties which just way under-rented and troubled owners. So for us, it's working out what the value of that property means for us, making sure that it's worthwhile as well from a financial point of view.
1: Welcome to the Property Management Podcast with That Property Mum. I'm your host, Kylie Walker. I'm a former television sports journalist and mother of four turned co-owner of a million dollar real estate brand. Each week, I teach women in the property management industry all the best tips to help you balance your career and family, grow your dream business, master your fear, boost your confidence and conquer your mindset. Ready to get started? Let's dive in. Thank you so much for being here and listening to this episode of the Property Management Podcast. Can you believe that I have actually created over 80 episodes of this podcast so far and I'm really super proud of this. After procrastinating for a couple of years, I eventually got it off the ground by simply setting a goal and to launch it and implementing the steps to make it happen. It was actually in one of Hermoni Hart's planning parties that i actually committed to this and got started and now that i'm a veteran podcaster i've been pretty lucky to have some amazing conversations with some pretty amazing people from property managers bdms business owners to coaches and a variety of experts in their fields and while i'm always inspired by the conversations that i have this episode has really got me fired up why because of the value that my guest, Vili, is about to share with you. His conversation was just what I needed to hear inside my own business. And I think you're going to really want to hear what he's been up to since we last caught up back in episode 17. Now, Vili is the founder of a property management business in New Zealand called Homely. But it's not your typical property management business. He has created his own unique business model. And it's nothing like I've really heard or seen before from engaging property managers as contractors, to offering tailored fee structures, to capping managements at 80 property manager, and adopting a business philosophy that works on quality over quantity. Billy has really nailed it with the points of difference inside his business. I ended our conversation inspired to rethink my entire fee structure and recruitment strategy. And I've got a feeling you're going to feel the same way. So let me stop talking so that you can start listening to the gold nuggets you're about to receive. Vili, thank you so much for joining me back on the property management podcast. You were a guest very early on. I think it was episode 17, you featured. So if anyone wants to find out a little bit more about Villy and his backstory in property management and how he got started, go take a listen to that episode. Today though, I want to ask you about where you're at right now in business. What are some of the successes? What are some of the challenges you're facing because you are over there in New Zealand, which is obviously a different market to us over here in Australia.
0: Yeah, great to be back on the show and yeah, sort of reflecting back on when we last caught up Kylie. Yeah, it's been over a year now. So it's quite a good exercise actually to reflect back on, I guess, some of the numbers and some of the topics we talked about, you know, over a year ago and sort of see Where we sit today. And yeah, look, business has been busy. It's been such an up and down market. I'm not sure if it's been like that in Australia, but obviously, with a number of reasons being, you know, interest rates are going up, puts a bit of a halt on investors purchasing. But then also, you know, we've had quite a bit of compliance, which has, you know, halted investors sort of, you know, coming into the market as well. So We're about to go through an election period as well. So, you know, there's so many different aspects at the moment that we're experiencing, which is having a positive but also a bit of a negative effect as well. But from our perspective and where we sit as a business, you know, we've steadily grown since last time I spoke to you. It was myself that started and then I think I spoke to you about bringing on a business partner. So Amanda and I, yeah, we've been obviously working hard on our vision and where we you know see Homely moving forward and we've actually expanded into another region now which is really exciting we've got brought on you know another property manager or as our business model we call it a contractor which we can dive into a little bit more if you like but so we've expanded into another region we're about to look to bring on another contractor in the Minoteringi ticket as well so for us it's been a busy sort of last 12 months with growth not only from a business perspective, but also, you know, portfolio and numbers and things like that as well.
1: That's super exciting. I'm so pleased to hear that. Yeah, I would love to talk more about your business model because it is a bit of a unique model and we can incorporate the topic today as well in that around quality over quantity. And I'm assuming that's part of your strategy as well. Well, let's start with that. Let's start talking about, you know, how you guys approach that philosophy in terms of having quality over quantity
0: yeah absolutely. And I think originally, like when Amanda and I sort of set out on this journey, you know if you for for those listening, if you refer back to that earlier podcast, you know I talked about sort of doing things a bit differently. And I think here in New Zealand there needed to be change. And you know we were seeing, and I was seeing in the real estate company that I worked for quite a bit of turnover in terms of staff churn. So we were seeing property managers you know in the industry for twelve to eighty months burnout. And it was just like a revolving door. We weren't the only real estate company or property management company that were experiencing this. It just seemed like that was the norm for the industry. And for me, that just didn't sit right. So it was sort of how do we adapt and how do we do things differently? One, to be able to provide, I guess, an environment for people to really enjoy what they do as a property manager and sustain them for longer periods of time. Like 12 to 18 months to me, you know, in a job is just not long enough. And I guess when you've got clients that you're dealing with and you're managing huge amounts of asset value, you don't want a revolving door of property managers coming in and going out all the time. I think as an investor or as an owner, that sort of uncertainty you know, starts to create doubt in terms of, is that the right company or is that the right property manager for me? So what we decided to do was just do things a little bit unique. So- I guess if you take a real estate agent model, real estate agent is a contractor, or most of them are contractors to the business. They have the ability to sort of put their own spin or their own brand on how they do things, build their own sort of network, their own clients, build their own portfolio, go out and execute. For me, it was kind of like, well, how can we adapt that to property management? Like that just seems so good. you know. Real estate agents have the flexibility, they've got the brand to work with, you know the resources that company can provide but ultimately it's up to them it's their responsibility to go out and work hard and the work that they put in they get you know and reward not only financially but you know from a lifestyle perspective as well so i sort of thought long and hard about how we can try and adapt like a real estate agent model into property management and it was very easy in terms of that model would just literally work anyway it's about now trying to find the right people that saw that same vision to be able to then you know, contract as a property manager and go out and build their own portfolio. So that's effectively how it operates is we have instead of property managers who I guess are employees, we call them IPMs, so independent property managers. They're independent or they're a contractor to Homely. They go out, build their own portfolio build it to and if you refer back to the last episode we have a cap of, of 80 properties so they build their portfolio to 80 and they just sort of work with those clients individually to be able to deliver a result for their clients and for the company as well so that's kind of the unique model that we've taken on board and yeah we're slowly starting to gain momentum with that which is really exciting
1: and do they have ownership of the portfolio how does that the financial right so for example if they get to 80 and they want to leave and go and move to a new Part of New Zealand. How does that work?
0: Yeah, so no ownership in the portfolio. However, from a financial point of view, they get commission based off the I guess the portfolio income that that is generated, and obviously that's we've worked that out in terms of the percentage that we offer is significantly higher than what a property manager would get from a salary point of view. You know, portfolios of eighty size would generate you know a fair amount of income, and so if that property manager or that contractor is getting a percentage based off that. You know, that's sort of an excess of $100,000 a year minimum to be able to, you know, have a lifestyle where they're only managing 80 and they can sort of work wherever, whenever and sort of have that flexibility. And we found that was really, really key as well is in order to sustain someone for longer periods of time for more than sort of 12 to 18 months, there needed to be flexibility there. Um, probably it's the same in Australia, but here in New Zealand, you know, The majority of property managers are female and have busy lifestyles, children to look after, and currently in school holidays here at the moment. So there has to be flexibility in order for someone to be able to enjoy their job or what they do for longer periods of time. But also, I think when you have someone who has the flexibility to work sort of whenever, whenever, wherever, what I've found, and certainly what we're starting to see, is they're so much more productive as well because they're able to get the job or the work that they need to get done in such a short amount of time because they know that they've got to pick up the kids or drop the kids off, or you know they want to catch up with clients and things like that. So, from a productive point of view, we see huge benefits in being able to provide that flexibility to people as opposed to just having a nine to five sort of time frame and then what you see is people trying to cram in as much work in those time zones and then if you don't get that done within that time zone it spills over into the next day and it's just a revolving um snowball effect of accumulating time which obviously puts pressure on people and all of a sudden you know the top's going to burst and that's why you see burnout
1: absolutely i think that is such a clever business model i'm absolutely loving A lot of the things that you just mentioned in there, and I love that you've put so much thought into it in terms of, you know, you're right, it's mostly females. We do have more than just going to work every day, got households to run, kids to run around. And, you know, having that flexibility is key to, you're right, ending that revolving door and ending, you know, that accumulative stress and then burnout that follows. So,
0: Yeah. I mean, my business partner, Amanda, I think you've caught up with her before as well, Kylie. She's- Solo mom. She's got three kids. She's a business owner. You know, for her being in a position that she's in now, she would have never have been able to do it if she didn't have that flexibility to sort of work around her personal life as well. And I think that's where, with our model, was really unique. Is we want people to be successful in property management. We see it as more of a career now, more so than ever, as opposed to just a job. So what we've tried to do is frame it around the person and build something so that. They enjoy what they do and they're able to deliver results because they're in that right frame of mind. They see it as a real positive. So yeah, it's certainly a work in progress because not many people do it and we're sort of exploring as we go. But early on in terms of the model that we've created, yeah, it's been been really, really great. So we're just hoping to sort of see that grow more and more, you know, in the next sort of 12 months as well, maybe in 12 months time when we catch up for the third episode. It'll be, yeah, um, yeah. It'll be uh, taking off.
1: I have no doubt it will be. Let's talk about then the topic of, you know, that quality over the quantity. And I'm assuming that's why you're capping your properties at 80 management. Talk about what sort of effect that is having on your business and your team. You know, because obviously when you've got your business cap on and your numbers cap on, you're thinking, you know, you need more properties, you know, and you just take any management on really. You know, let's just get the numbers up there. Talk to us about why that is not probably the right approach. In your opinion? Yeah,
0: and I think most companies have that mindset of sort of taking any management in. And he won't mind me saying, but I've done quite a bit of work with Darren Hunter over the years. And just having that mind shift around, you know, understanding the value of a property as opposed to just taking on any property is really, really key. And so earlier on, having that training with Darren and then sort of slowly starting to implement things in my previous role at another agency really helped me understand it's not all about the number of properties that come through the door as well. It's actually about you know what that value of that property brings to you in your business, but also to your staff. And that's why I'm a big believer and why we sort of have, I guess, that mindset around managing really quality properties as opposed to just quantity. Like we just don't, I've turned so much business away over the years because it just, one, doesn't stack up and two, we don't need it. I'd rather bring on a really good quality property with a quality owner than bring on three properties that were just way under-rented and troubled owners. So for for us, it's, it's working out what the value of that property means for us, making sure that it's worthwhile as well, from a financial point of view. And what I mean by that is actually doing your numbers before you send a management agreement. There's probably a lot of BDMs out there who are put under, and when I say BDMs, business development managers, whose core responsibility is to find your business. So bring in you know new properties to that business. And a lot of them are on KPIs. So for them, it's not about the value, it's the number. And so for me, that sort of mindset always sort of didn't really sit well with me either because kind of you're putting pressure on BDMs to bring in 10, 12, 15 properties per month. Yet what are the value of those 10, 12 properties per month? I'd rather see you bring in seven properties that are really good income earning properties, great quality owners, then actually bring in 15. So for me, it was going out and starting home there. I had that mindset right from the get-go. This is how we want to operate this is what we want to do in terms of bringing new business on. We want to be able to calculate, you know, each individual property, and that's why we're very transparent with clients and people who, you know, reach out to us when they ask, "What's your fee?" Well, I just simply say, "Well, we don't have a fee. Like we tailor it. So let me come and sit down and talk with you. We can work out, you know, what that looks like from, you know, a location point of view. Do you have one or multiple?" Is there a lot more work or compliance that needs to be done? So then we factor in all of those things to then calculate a fee that makes it worthwhile for us. We know if that client accepts, it makes it worthwhile. Like we're financially in a position where it's feasible. And if they don't because it's not suitable for them, then that's fine. We're not just taking that property on for the sake of taking it on. So yeah, we're very clear around what that looks like for us. That creates... Like a cycle which we are really, really key on as well. In terms of you're dealing with you know good people, you're dealing with good owners. You know if you've got quality properties, you're going to attract good tenants who are obviously going to stay longer, pay their rent, look after the property, all that kind of thing. And from a property manager's perspective, why wouldn't you want to manage quality properties and have good owners, have quality tenants because it makes your job easier as opposed to bringing on those sort of C grade properties potentially that have a lot of work you know there's a revolving door of tenants coming in and out you can't rent them at this higher end because the propertys just not presented well there's a lot more compliance it just is a recipe for disaster and that's why when you start to stack those types of properties up on top of property managers portfolios it's why they burn out is because they're having to deal with so many issues because effectively you took them on in the first place so For us, quality over quantity is massive.
1: Anything like me, you think you know your rent roll numbers. Well, I thought I did until I had a rent roll health check and I was quite literally shocked. The money I was leaving on the table was astounding and this is not something that I'm proud to admit. There were mismanagement fees, let fees, advertising and lease renewal fees not being charged and properties even without bonds. And all of this was happening despite monthly audits being conducted in in my business. So how did I uncover all these gaps in my valuable income? Well, I had a rent roll due diligence from my good friend, Tazi, aka the rent roll queen and founder of the Tazi Way, a specialist in rent roll due diligence, business valuation and management rights. The Tazi Way is the innovative force driving the real estate industry. With 25 years of business and real estate acumen, they find gaps and risks in your agency to find undiscovered value. If you'd like to book your business in for a rent roll due diligence, head to the link in the show notes and mention That Property Mum for a 10% discount. I wish I had spoken to you years ago. I was not in that. I was all about getting managements, quantity, quantity, quantity. I actually got 29 managements in one day and again, the client found all their tenants on Gumtree. So not great tenants. All the properties were falling apart, had not had maintenance. Most of the tenants were, I'm talking like six months in arrears. We had a lot of work to do to clean them up, move on tenants, get new tenants, get all the maintenance compliance done. And would you believe it? By the time we got the last property sorted out, she then took the 29 to another agency after we did all that work. I literally could have been found in a fetal position in the back of the office and they were paying hardly any management fees, any fees at all. And that was a really valuable lesson to me. And it has shifted me into that gear of, you know what, that is, if I'm not making a profit, if I'm not making enough money, if um, they're not a good fit for our business, then we won't take them on anymore. But I had to learn that lesson the hard way.
0: Absolutely. Um, And it's probably, and I think the way that I think about it as well is when you're comparing properties to properties. So let's just say, for example, you have a property You know, you've appraised it $1,000 a week, and then you have another property and it's $400 a week. For me, I don't understand why companies are charging exactly the same fee for two separately, massively different properties. Yes, you're going to make income off the higher end, and you're probably going to make less at the lower end. Does it average out between both? I don't know, because effectively, the lower end probably going to have a lot more turnover. The higher end, you're probably going to have, you know, tenants that. You know, may stay for longer periods of time as well. So for me, it was I never grasped that concept of having a set fee structure. And so, what we do, like I've mentioned before, is every property is different, and so therefore the fees need to reflect that. And if I've got an owner with a property at you know sort of lower end rent, well, my fees going to be higher. And if they see the value in what we do as a business, the service that we can provide them, you know, the points of difference that we can offer, then they're willing to pay a little bit more to get that in return. And vice versa, you know, for a higher-end property, you might be able to just tailor that a little bit less than what you would for a lower end one, because the income return is a lot lot more. So that's where we sort of have adapted on being able to work out what our bottom line figure is per property and then calculating what we need to make per property and and go in and win it and pitch it at that. So you know majority of yeah once again I don't know too many other real estate companies that kind of do that. A lot of people will have a set fee or they'll have a set fee plus add-on charges or they'll have you know a silver bronze gold package. So you're sort of throwing one fee to them or, you know, here's our higher end, you pay a little bit more, you get it all inclusive or you pay our lower end, but we have to charge you for this, 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 and this. When you're comparing properties to properties, even with that sort of package, it sort of just doesn't sort of add up. And that's why I think for us and potentially other BDMs going around, you need to do your sums before you actually start throwing fees at people. Because the fee at the end of the day doesn't matter as long as you can sort of sell your service and justify the value that you add to them, whether or not someone's paying higher or lower, that's what they buy into, not the fee percentage itself.
1: Absolutely. So do you have a percentage that you work on? Like, you know, 30%, 40%, 50%? Is there... Yeah.
0: So So per property, we sort of... Like our bottom line figure that we need per property. and this is probably on average for most property management agencies, you kind of need to be making about two and a half thousand dollars per annum per property. So then you work that backwards. So if you've got you know a property at 500 dollars a week times 52, whatever that annual income is per year, divide that by your bottom line figure, so your two and a half grand and then times that by 100, that'll give you a percentage that at a minimum you need to charge. But then you take into account other factors like the location. So if it's a little bit further out, that's my minimum. I may need to charge this a little bit more to accommodate for travel and things like that. Or if you've got a multiple property owner, we all know that multiple property owners want to put themselves on pedestals, and they will squeeze every percentage out of you as much as possible. And that's where you know you can calculate and say, well, look, you know, I can go here, I can't go any lower. But because you've worked those sums out right from the get-go, You know that you're going to get something out of it for the hard work that you put in. We need to do a
1: property management calculator.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We (laughs) need
1: to do something. I'll leave you with that challenge. Numbers. We've actually got one that we
0: send to our clients as well, so it's quite good. But from a property manager's perspective, it's yeah, really handy. And I think that's where, from a BDM perspective, businesses out there, and you know, if there are businesses listening to this, start to get your BDMs into that mindset of crunching the numbers first. Because there will be mediums out there that will just offer, or sign management up. you know, let's just say 9%. But it's actually detrimental to your business because the more properties that you sign up at 9% means that the property manager that has to manage them, their portfolio starts to increase because it becomes a numbers game. It's that whole quality of quantity. So in order for my business to profit, Based on this portfolio, I need this property manager to manage 130, 140, 150 properties if those properties are going to be charged out at 9% at $400 a week. And we know, you and I both know, Kylie, that as soon as a property manager is managing more than 100 properties or even 120, the pressure that they have in today's property management you know, modern society, it just puts so much pressure on that the job that they do isn't as effective as what it should be. And that then becomes detrimental to your business as well because then there's a lot more holes that are starting to appear, a lot more cracks that are starting to appear. And then the thing that happens is property managers leave, they burn out, they go. You have to fill that gap. You have to recruit, which is a lot more time and money. Whereas if you just have that structure right from the get-go, and you solve that cycle. But it's a mindset to get into. Like, It'd be very hard for businesses to get out of a mindset. But I think once you sort of understand it and you work really hard to sort of implement it within the day-to-day of your running of your business, long-term, it'll be so much more beneficial for your business and also for your staff.
1: I love how you've thought through all of these things. I think there is so much value for somebody to take away from listening to this episode. My son is a BDM in my business at the moment. I'm going to be sending him the recording straight after this. Today. So thank I might you. Get a, for that. I might get a
0: call from him next week then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do
1: you do one on one coaching?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's brilliant. Let's talk about change off, off that topic now and move on to personal development. Have you got an updated tool, resource, book that you can share? Yeah,
0: I, I think I talked about it last time. You know, I think personal development is key. You know, whatever you're doing, I think the minute that you sort of stop learning or you stop thinking or innovating is the minute that you get, you know, found out or, you know, your business or your, your role gets undone. I think things like this podcast and this is why I love you know connecting and jumping on these kinds of things because if I can provide a little bit of advice that someone may take away as a gold nugget then I feel like I've you know I'm achieving something. So for me it's learning off other people you know like yourself from other property management experts as well and just sort of don't be afraid to ask you know like more than happy to have a phone conversation with your son and talk about you know that structure and how I guess from a BDM perspective, you know, how to look at things a little bit differently. That's how we learn and that's how we evolve. And that's how we're, you know, able to, you know, succeed in what we do. So, yeah, from my perspective, I think it's a case of learn, reach out to people and, you know, just align yourself with a mentor, whether it's in the same industry or just someone that can inspire you to do something a little bit differently. I think that's really, really key. The other thing that probably from a, personal development point of view or something that I've learned in the last 12 months, I guess from the last time we caught up to, you know, going through the ups and downs. And the I guess what businesses bring is, I guess, an analogy that I use called compounding time. And I guess it's used sporting analogy as well. It's, you know, when someone's asleep, you're up in the gym kicking goals whatever because you know that you're getting that one percent better than the person that you're competing against so for me it's compounding time is really really important if you want to get ahead if you want to be successful in what you do make sure that you put aside some time that is extras and you know it doesn't have to be massive like if you calculate it 20 minutes every night instead of Flicking on Netflix or, you know, watching tally, just block out 20 minutes to sort of work on something that is going to allow you to get ahead, whether it's your business, whether or not it's your role. And you know, over a 12-month period, those 20 minutes add up to something massive. And when your competitor isn't doing that, the gap that you create is significant. And all of a sudden you're miles ahead of where they are. And if you continue to be consistent with that, you'll be so much more better off for it.
1: I absolutely love that. And I have so many business owners that I'm currently working with who are, you know, getting up at doing that 5am club or, you know, like you said, putting kids to bed at nighttime and before they turn on the Netflix, they're reading that book or listening to that podcast. And I personally do it myself as well. I'm, you know, always finding time to fit in and making sure that I know what I need to do, not just say it. I know that I need to do that personal development work. I need to listen to that podcast on New marketing trends or work on social media, whatever it is, I'm really clear on what things I need to fit into my day these days. And I get those moments in as well, not just, you know, doing the churn of work as well. So,
0: yeah, and you get a lot of downtime, I think, in property management, like property managers, you're know, driving from an appointment or doing an inspection and you've got to go from here to there. Or, you know, that's an opportune time to either, you know, call your clients. And if you're on top of your calling list, then Throw on a podcast, you know, and it's not taking additional time away from what you normally do. It's just you've implemented something that is going to assist you think differently. I think that, like, challenge your mind is really, really key. So if you've got a podcast that you're listening to in the car or between, you know, inspection one to inspection two, and it just makes you think a little bit differently, perfect. Like, if you do that every day over a 12 month period, you'll be very surprised that, you know, how far ahead you actually become. And how you look at things differently and and then you'll start to come up with ideas and innovate because you know you're hearing all these really useful pieces of information or tools or resources that are out there, but the fact that you haven't explored that is because people just get so caught up in this bubble and they're not willing to do it. So, you know, that one percent of people who really do push forward are the ones that sort of break out of that and do things a little bit differently.
1: Fantastic. I have just implemented after listening to a podcast, I'm not sure if you know this one, Diary of a CEO and they just had one on breathing and breath work and all the science behind it. I was so fascinated with that. So now every time I'm in my car, I'm doing the breath exercises as I'm driving yeah. to and from appointments or meetings, it's, whatever. Yeah, and it's my nerve. I have not felt more clear, yeah. relaxed, in control of not reacting to certain yeah. things. It's it seems- funny you say
0: that, Kylie, because about a month ago, there's actually an app which I've started to use, Obviously. You get a free trial, but I found it so useful that, you know, I've paid for a yearly subscription. It's called Headspace. And for anyone listening out there, jump on it. You know, it's breathing, it's meditation, it's really useful advice. And like I was never someone that was like, oh, you know, I'm right into meditating. That's my thing. I was far from it. But like you say, I guess when you get into pressure cooker moments, which we know our industry throws at us, just having the ability to sit breathe take in a moment and then clear your mind and then see how you react to that afterwards and fascinated me how more productive and how clearer i was around making decisions like decision making in our job because there's so many balls that you've got to juggle you know having a clear mind to be able to make decisions are really really important and so for me having this, you know, it's on my phone, I throw my pods in, I sit in my car for five minutes. Some people who see me probably think I'm really strange, but <laughs> I throw my pods in and I'm just sitting there just, you know, for like a quick five minute breathing like exercise. Or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just a breathing exercise or just meditate. And yeah, like I can just come out of that and just feel like, okay, cool. Like I'm really focused and I know what I need to do. And then I'm really clear on the decision that I've made. So for me, I guess, my personal development and what I've been able to implement within the last month or so is that just effectively what you've talked about because that's really helped me. I was yeah, very, not reactive, but it was, you know, i make a decision, i make it like that. Whereas now I'm sort of like, okay, cool, let's just take some time to think about that and make sure that whatever decision we're putting forward here is really, really key and where we are now and what that decision sort of is going to impact later on down the track. So it just really open my mind up in terms of, you know, how to think about things differently. And you're right, whenever we're in a pressure situation, the first instinctive thing that we do is we hold our breath, you know, and we tense up. Um, and what that does is you have to release. And generally when you release – it becomes sort of a fight or flight. So you're constantly, you know, if it's with a client, you're constantly, you know, going back or, you know, if it's with a tenant, it's a negative communication or it's a negative conversation. But when you start to breathe and regulate, your breathing a little bit more and you just sort of take a moment to think, okay, cool, how am I going to operate or how am I going to react to this current situation, which is really, really helpful.
1: It is, absolutely. So how can our audience connect further with you?
0: Yeah, you just... We're social media, so we're homely property management. We're on Facebook and Instagram, but look, we're more than happy for people to reach out by email, give me a call. Yeah, just homely property management. We're obviously in New Zealand, but look, I love connecting with people in Australia as well and hearing their journey and their stories. I know after the last podcast, I had you know quite a few people reach out, and I guess my journey resonated with them, and that you know that's brilliant. That's kind of the purpose of why. I love jumping on these types of discussions as, you know, if I can have an impact or give people some really useful advice in our industry, I think that's what it's all about. So yeah, just think we can put my email address in the notes or the comments and uh, yeah, just feel free to get in touch wherever.
1: Amazing. Thank you so much, really. Thank you. You've dropped some amazing value bombs. You've shared plenty of gold nuggets. I am super grateful that you joined me again on the podcast. Thank you so much. thing I dread doing is chasing up rent arrears and debt collection. It takes up valuable time and it can often lead to conflict. But it is a necessary evil when you are running a property management business. But there is an easier way to make sure your tenant's rent is paid on time and in advance and it's called RentPay. RentPay is a secure and simple to use payment platform that saves agents time and money with fast, accurate receipting while making life better for renters. To top it all off, you'll never have to worry about dishonor fees or unknown deposits again. How good is that? Cleared funds are deposited straight into your bank account in a single daily payment with accurate receipting and reference numbers auto-assigned, and it's fully compatible with all trust accounting systems. It's a super flexible payment option for tenants who can pay rent in multiple ways, including direct debit, credit card, or instantly pay with payer ID. Fees are minimal and RentPay even helps with the rent arrears process by automating reminders to renters when payments are due or missed. If you are currently paying large bank fees, struggling with constant dishonours because the funds aren't cleared when their funds land in your trust or wasting time chasing up unknown payments, I encourage you to book in a free demo with RentPay and give yourself and your renters an easier way to pay rent. There's been so much talk of stress, overwhelm, and burnout in property management lately. Do you want to know how I overcame all of that? Yes, I hit rock bottom multiple times, but I got myself a virtual assistant. Actually, not just one, but three. But I didn't just get any VA. I got a PMVA. What are they? Well, they are the most well-trained in the business. And not only that, you also have a backup VA. So that essentially, your business is never without admin. Support ever again. And my health, time, and business has never looked back. Your PMVA can take care of tasks like rent arrears, lease preparation and renewals, maintenance follow up, routine inspection bookings, data entry, audits, prospecting, inbox management, and so much more. And the best part of implementing a PMVA in my business was that it freed up my time and my team's time to take care of important things like customer service. What makes me feel so safe is that PMVA is owned by Tiffany Botel both here and in the Philippines, making my data secure and giving me more control over the VA arrangement. So head to the link in the show notes to book in your discovery call with Lady Boss Tiff. Can I ask you a quick favor before you leave this episode? Now, we all know how important reviews are for businesses these days and mine is no different. If you could spare just a minute to follow, rate and review this podcast, it would mean a lot to me. In fact, what would get me super excited is if you share this podcast with someone in the industry who you think might need to hear some of the episodes right now. And if you'd like to find out more about working with me or any of the products I have to help you start, grow or scale your property management business, head to my website, thatpropertymum.com.au or check out the links in the show notes.